0: Love, talk Radio Welcome you're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host Darren Batman McDuck and now prepare to get fat Hey, what's cracking? What's popping and all that? This is Darren Fatman McDuffie uh, having another episode of Perfectly Healthy Tone Radio. So welcome back. And tonight we'll have Melissa Bankley on discussing the body love method. Should be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. But before I do, I'll have a, a few announcements to make. If you have not gone to iTunes and downloaded the show, please do so. I know a lot of times we have to get off the shows early, or sometimes we just can't make the show. And that is your way of keeping up with what's going on. So go to iTunes. You can type in the Fat Man Radio Show in the search bar, and you're able to download uh, the show. Now, Melissa's on tonight, and next week is another <clears throat> excuse me, really important show that I think everybody should attend, and that show deals with gluten sensitivity. I've made... No bones about being gluten sensitive, and I quit uh, eating bread a long, long time ago, and I've had some miraculous effects from doing that. I've never really had to worry about my weight, and I've also been able to kind of put my arthritis, which uh, – flared up on me when I played basketball for many years into remission and I don't think I'll ever go back to eating bread. But Dr. O'Brien is an expert in gluten and gluten sensitivity and he'll be on the show next week, next Wednesday. And actually the earlier show, so that show will be at six. Couldn't get him the schedule for eight. He's a busy guy, but he is going to come on at six o'clock, so that'll be a special time. So tonight We have Melissa Blankley on, and she will be discussing the body love method. And I met Melissa about two years ago at Miranda Farm. She was having a seminar, and our views kind of were very, very similar. And I always told myself if I got a radio show or got a chance to speak somewhere or do a seminar, I might invite her there to, do, to speak as well. So I have her tonight, and she's going to be discussing the body love method. So give me a few seconds, and I will bring Melissa on. Melissa, what's up? Welcome to the Fat Man Radio Show. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much, Darren, for having me on. I'm really excited for this evening and to chat with you. I'm really blessed to have met you that time a couple of years ago and really look forward to this evening.
0: Yeah, great. I, w- I remember attending your seminar at Miranda Farms, and I was so scared to to say anything because I was thinking that I would steal your thunder, but <clears throat> you kind of let me share a little bit of my background and share that with the people that attended there. And I, I, I never got a chance to thank you for that, but I really, really thank you for that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You know, I believe that uh, we're all in this together and that we can only build off of each other and that if we think of each other as companions instead of competitors, that that's really going to be, be the difference in bringing this health and this wellness and this, this love that we need to to the world. So I was happy to let you share, and I always, you know, I feel like that's something that we all need to do and think about on a greater scale, is to really, you know, allow people to share and really and come together to create this movement and this force.
0: Yeah, we, we, there's a lot of change we have to make. I don't know. I, I attended the uh, GMO. There was a GMO rally last Thursday, and uh, There was a great attendance, but there was a lot of people that weren't there, and I just think that that's a very, very important issue, and a lot of people are still living at that unconscious level, and I really feel that we need to be a little bit more conscious, and those of us that are out there that are conscious have a duty to kind of wake the other people up around us, so... I'm very glad, again, that you're on the show tonight. And for the listeners out there, can you share with us your journey? I know from looking at your pictures, I, I looked at your pictures on, I Googled you and saw some pictures of you being a fitness competitor. Can you share with us your background and how you kind of came to start doing what you're doing now?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, I have a very sordid background. It, it starts from when I was very young, and I'll skip some of that stuff for right now and get into to the point where I um, started competing when I was in my early 20s because I had had an eating disorder before that. So I thought after I thought I had healed my eating disorder, I was both anorexic and bulimic, and I had gotten my eating disorder because of some traumatic experiences in my, in my childhood. And so I thought I had healed that eating disorder, and so I decided to go into competition thinking that – I could control my food in another way. And what it really turned out to be was that I really hadn't healed my eating disorder or healed my mind. I had just transposed it into a different disorder. So then I turned my um, my eating disorder and the self-love issues and all those things that I had inside me into something where I over-exercised every day, where I was starving my body in the name of fitness and health. And I was, you know, I was in magazines. I was on – I looked beautiful. People would say – oh, my gosh, I wish I looked like you, but they never knew the demons that were hiding inside of me, the way that I felt about myself, that I would be hiding in my closet eating food, and then I had started eating the eating disorder all over again. I was doing all of these unhealthy things for my body to try to look a certain way, and it was truly because I didn't love myself, and I was trying to prove to the rest of the world that I was worthy when I wasn't, when I felt like I wasn't. And so I spent many years on this battling this train back and forth of the unhealthy eating and doing it in the name of fitness and all this exercise. And I got a power from being on the stage, but then at the same time, I got this worse sense of self-worth from all of the judges and from all of the people and then feeling like I was this small. And when I'd look in the mirror, I would see myself, and all I would see was what the negative thoughts were that other people – said because of, I wasn't perfect on stage or because of this, that I looked like somebody that was in the top you know, echelon of the world. I mean, my body looked great, you know, to what everybody else thought. So from after years of competing, what happened was is I ended up with adrenal fatigue, hypothyroidism, and um, low testosterone. So my doctor, I went to see a doctor, and they put me on testosterone shots. They put me on Synthroid. And, um, you know, I was trying to do all of these things to, get better and get healthy. I went vegan. I did all this crazy stuff and I was still trying to compete and then I finally realized I woke up one day and I said I have to stop the insanity. I'm like I have to get well. I can't do this anymore. I did this in the name of health and fitness. Um, at that time I was a personal trainer and I was trying to you know I'm trying to train people. I knew that it wasn't working and I just wasn't happy with my results and how I felt as a health and wellness pro- professional and I wasn't happy with the things that I was teaching my clients about food, and nutrition that were bull crap. I mean, it was really a bunch of crap. So Mm -hmm. I went back to school to heal myself holistically. I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and I learned how to heal my body. I no longer had the hypothyroidism. I no longer had the adrenal fatigue. I fixed my testosterone, and it was all food and starvation related. And um, that's right when you met me was right when I had come out of IIN. And since then, my transformation has come from not just talking about nutrition, but I went and learned how, what I found was that even though I had fixed my body holistically and I felt healthier, that I still had a mindset problem. I still didn't love myself. I still had a real problem seeing who I was on the inside. I hated looking at myself in the mirror. Um, I, I had problems with my body and I had problems with my self-esteem. And I started to become in a shell and I didn't want the people to be seen. And so then I realized that I really had to work on my mind and my, and shift my mindset, and that's where I, I went to and I started to learn how to do that. And then once I did that, that's how I ended up coming to what I do now, which is my pure body love. And the, pure, the body love method, is pure body love, is what it takes is my journey and how I healed myself holistically, but also how I changed my mind and how I, I changed my subconscious and really healed that so that mm-hmm. I can help, women around the world to really change how they feel about their bodies and what they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are you a part of the, when you say you had eating disorders, you say you didn't love yourself. Uh, I've kind of bumped into that too. uh, When I was working with women as well, but um, are, would you say you're probably of the majority, minority or is that the majority? Are the majority of women out there have problems with, these, uh, with body issues or feeling worthy? What is, what is your opinion on that?
1: The, well, my, the actual statistic is 91% of women in the United States have problems with their body. 91% are trying to do something to change it and are not happy. So that statistically is huge. Because now, now that I speak across the country, when I stand in a crowd of 100 people and I think out of that only nine people are happy with themselves when I'm one of them, that's really scary. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's a huge issue across the uh, United States and it's definitely a part of our media and what we have, what we have done to ourselves we pass down to our children. So I'm definitely adamant about changing that. In my in my lifetime, I'm going to change that number to 9%, and I'm adamant about passing that down to our next generation so that they don't have to grow up feeling the way that most of us adult women feel about ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember doing some research when I worked with women, and uh, I think it was by the time women are, I want to say, 13, 14 years old, at least half of them are already having body image issues. They don't like their body. So I, I think that that's a, just a big, big problem. Now, you, re- you mentioned having adrenal fatigue and having all of these things, and you mm-hmm. mentioned just looking good. Like you, you're on stage, you look good. And what I find with people is that they think that they tend to connotate uh, what you look on the outside versus what you're really feeling on the inside. So how can, can you just talk about that a little bit? Like you were a, a fitness competitor, and you looked great on the outside, but in the inside you were suffering.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is one of the biggest things that I think is such, so powerful that people need to understand. People looked at me, and they did. They saw on the outside they thought I was healthy. They saw this thin, you know, muscular, ripped person. They're like, oh, my gosh, I want that body. I want to be like her, and I was completely the opposite on the inside. And I tell people now, I say, you know what, you never know if that person is healthy or not by looking at them from the outside. You could actually have a person that is slightly overweight and could be much healthier than I ever was. You know, um, uh, it's really about not a perception of how you see things on the outside, but really what's working on the inside and it's a huge, big misconception, and, I'm, and it's something that society has said to us, that, oh, well, if you're skinny or if you're muscular or if you're a bodybuilder, then you must be healthy. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now, it's one of the most unhealthy professions in the world, and it's not, it's not at all um, as healthy as people think it is. And so people strive to be this perfection or to have this body that, in the end, if they're overexercising and they're starving their, their bodies to get that, then they're not doing themselves any, any good. They're they're only damaging themselves because it's really causing more problems on the inside. And they'll they'll eventually figure that out in some way or another because the body's going to break down.
0: Yeah, yeah. You also mentioned uh, having adrenal fatigue, and I know for the listeners out there, I don't know if they're up on the the science mm-hmm. behind adrenal fatigue and the science of women having low testosterone women do have testosterone but can you kind of talk about those things adrenal fatigue and the, the low testosterone that you were obviously treated for and how they affected you
1: oh yes absolutely so a lot of women will go to the doctor the doctor will tell them that they have you know a thyroid problem or they have uh, something, this and that, and it, all these different hormonal problems. But usually what I have found that there's always a root cause to what causes you to have the hormonal issues. Now with adrenal fatigue, what adrenal fatigue is, is basically very similar to most people have heard of chronic fatigue syndrome. So you basically, you feel... When you wake up in the morning you're already tired and then maybe sometimes you'll have a spike in the afternoon or, or a dip in the afternoon and then when you go to go to bed at night all of a sudden you feel wide awake and you're like oh and then you can't sleep and then it's this cycle and your adrenals are um, are, are going at a pace that's different than the, the natural circadian rhythm of, of life you should normally have a higher level of cortisol cortisol is our, our flight or flight or fright syndrome mm-hmm. um, and you should you normally have that higher in the morning, and it should gradually go down during the day. Well, with adrenal fatigue, there's different levels, but one can be that, unfortunately, that it starts out really low in the morning, and then it goes up, and then it drop, drops down, and maybe goes up again and comes down. But most, the worst case of adrenal fatigue is when your adrenals are just so completely shot that you, your body is no longer producing cortisol at all, and you just still kind of like flatlined. So you're like all day long, you're just done and you're using caffeine and any kind of stimulant or things to keep you awake and keep you going and keep you moving and that in itself is usually when you get to a point with that will cause other hormonal issues so because of the fact that i was starving my body and i was always pushing pumping adrenaline into it through pre workout drinks and um trying to take caffeine to stay awake and doing all these things i had i had tired out my adrenal adrenal glands and then on top of that the um, so the lack of nutrition from the food because I wasn't eating enough had caused the other hormonal issues so the, the combination of those two really caused my, the testosterone problems and I know that sounds weird like you said, most people don't understand that women do have testosterone but that's your get up and go you have to have some testosterone to you know, balance your body you don't want to have too much estrogen and you don't want to have too much testosterone but you don't want to have too little either you want everything to be in balance all of our hormones work together in balance to keep us right and that was really my um, my problem that it was I had to heal the adrenals for the other stuff to come back into balance. My my root cause was my own starvation of my body that was causing these things. And I find that a lot with clients that I work with now, um, even if they're overweight, it would be like they, they don't realize that they're starving their bodies because they're eating such nutritionally lacked food and maybe only eating once a day. And they're like, well, I can't lose weight and I'm only eating once a day and I feel tired all the time. And I'm like, well... That's the reason why is because you're actually starving your body and you need to eat more. And they think, of course, you're crazy at first until they realize Mm -hmm. that it's actually
0: true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have this different philosophy uh, about this whole thing is that people lose weight to get healthy when they should be uh, getting healthy first to lose weight. If they did it the other way around, then it would actually be a totally, totally different thing. Now, were you a – you mentioned – uh, at the beginning of the show, just staying in the closet and eating. Were you a compulsional compulsional eater, or were you an emotional eater, or both?
1: I was definitely mine was. Um, I used food as a control. So, at, okay. and at the at the point, so when I when I had my eating disorder, I used food as a control that I refused to eat and I wouldn't eat so that I could control control, you know, it was the only thing in my life that I felt like it can control. So then once I got into the point where I was competing and I was restricted, like I could control my food and everybody knew it. But after I had done it for so many years, my body got to a point where I would wake up in the middle of the night and night walk and eat. And didn't know it because it was literally like my body was saying, you listen, you've been starving me for four years now and I'm going to eat getting food somewhere or other. And then I would have, literally have breakdowns where I would emotionally just break down and I would go and I would eat food and I would literally like hide. I didn't want people to see me eating because then I thought that I was a sham. Like, Oh my God, I'm eating, I'm eating real food. Somebody's not going to know that I'm really a fitness person. That's how messed up that, my head had gotten around food and my body because I was so unhappy. And so it was definitely both emotional and compulsive at times because the compulsion came from the fact that my body was starving so much that I just literally had, I I couldn't control it at times where I would have to eat. And the emotional was I would just, I was was mean to myself. I would emotionally punish myself with food because I didn't think I was worthy of eating it. So then when I did eat it, I felt guilty and then I would throw it up. It was a really, really sad and, and bad cycle. But it was something that I had to go through that taught me so much because it gives me so much compassion and it helps me so much to understand where other people come from. And it's something that is so to my heart because I really, I get it now. Like when I, I didn't get it 15 years ago when I was a trainer and I was trying to help people get, you know, lose weight and get healthy. And I would make fun of the fat people and be like, I don't understand why can't they lose weight. And that's how it mm-hmm. was 15 years ago because I was so ignorant. And now I just have compassion for these people and it just touches my heart. And I really want to, you know helping because I understand it,
0: yeah, yeah, you mentioned it start in your childhood. what were your um can you share with us and if you feel like sharing some of your triggers mm-hmm. what what happened to you in your childhood that kind of uh, made you kind of uh, morph into this whole these these whole eating disorders?
1: sure, there were two there were two separate instances. Um, my mother left when I was nine years old, and when she left, I had moved in with my uh, grandparents, but at one point mm-hmm. in time. When I, when I was living with my grandparents, my father had taken us away and I was molested. I was molested at the age of 10 by a neighbor. And um, I never told anybody until I was in my late twenties. I never, my family never knew. Nobody ever knew um, that happened. And at that time, I was, I wanted to protect everybody else. But I didn't tell uh, everybody. So I had a lot of issues with my mother leaving and that from when I was a child and that kind of grew up with me until I was 17. And then what, the, the major shift that really happened um, when I was seventeen was i was I was brutally raped. And when that after that was when the body issues started coming in because it was I didn't love myself. I had post-traumatic stress disorder. i that's when the eating disorder started. and i and I left from um, high school where I was the graduate radio oh, top of my class and um all that, and went to college, and I had a really rough rough freshman year um, after I had put him in jail and all that stuff. and it was a it was a real problem, and it took me. It, it, it took me years and years to, to work through those things, and those were the triggers. Those were the main triggers that really caused me to, to come to this place where I didn't love myself and that I just tried to cover it up with everything that I could.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, was, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I could share that on air, but thank you. <laughs> um, um, you're working with clients now. What are some of the things that you see with them that are triggers for them as far as I know, you know you're know, discussing your what happened to you, what are some things that drive your clients to, to eat compulsively or eat through, eat through emotions? There are,
1: there are several different things, and I'll have to say one of them that I was really shocked to find out, which has, been, um, has always hit me really hard, is about 75% of the women that I've worked with have all been sexually abused in their past. Um, mm. And so that's why I share that, w- because of the fact that once I realized how powerful it was and how many people how many people have gone through that, um, so that's one of the big things. And then the other thing is, is simple triggers of things that you, things in their past from mothers and fathers and, and not necessarily directed directly towards them, but things of the way that they treated each other or treated other people, got them into feeling certain ways about themselves. Um, I call it what, one of the things that we really talk about is what was your mother's body story? What, did, what was the story that you learned from your mom? So you may say you were five, six, seven years old growing up, and all you remember your mom was you thought she was this beautiful, gorgeous creature, and you remember her saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so fat, and, you know, watching the food that she was eating or trying to put on that pair of pants or, you know, the, the visions that you got, even though she never said anything to you, would make, you, um, would make her, you know, you, you, get, you get these ideas formed in your head. Certain things, like I have one client who – didn't realize until we ended up having a breakthrough session, she would always sabotage herself and she couldn't figure out what it was. Then she finally figured out that when she was growing up that her parents used to say one plate was good, two plates was a lot, and three plates you were a piggy. So every time she eats cookies now, she eats three at a time. And for her that was because it was, she didn't know, but it was a rebellion against her parents saying, you know, what? if you eat three plates of something, you're a little piggy. So, she, so once we were able to break through that cycle, then she was able to release that and stop that. So it's really n- it can. It can sometimes be something traumatic, and sometimes it can just be simple bullying at school, simple you know things that parents are, are that say that you know maybe grandma you should gra- grab your cheeks when you were little and call you chubby little cheeks, and it may not bother one child, but it may bother bother another one who is sensitive. A lot of I get a lot of situations where it um, has to do with bullying, and you know when maybe children were a little overweight as children getting picked on and not
0: feeling pretty and so that's where it all comes from yeah yeah now with with uh women um you look at the things that might have happened in your past how much is that as things that have happened into in the past and how much is that pressure being put on them through society because if you look at we just had the grammys and i didn't watch it but uh, I went on Facebook, and I, that's how I get my news, through Facebook. I don't tend to watch it <laughs> this. But you see people said, oh, Beyonce was dressed like this, or this star did this, and you know the big thing with Miley Cyrus uh, a couple of months back here. How much mm-hmm. is that pressure that women are feeling is emotional events that happened in the past versus the society, how society views them or how society thinks they should be?
1: You know, I think, I don't know what, percentage-wise, I can't get, like, analytical numbers on it, but I think they're intertwined with each other seamlessly. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a huge part of what comes in your past that, you know, I help, I help uh, my clients break through that and release it, but I also believe that media has a huge impact on our children and our teenagers and, you know, us as adults and what, and what happens. We um, do not fit into the mold of these people only 5% of the population looks like the models and the people that you see on the TV, and we can never fit into that. I've equated to, have you ever seen that Dove commercial, the one where Mm -hmm. they show the women, um, and they show them where they're um, being drawn by an artist and two different people give you the drawing?
0: Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Yeah, so, and that just shows you right there how, we perceive ourselves compared to how somebody else perceives us and the beauty in that and how all of our bodies are different. And I unfortunately think that the media has tainted so much, and that's one of the big things in the beginning why I got into fitness was because I wanted to change the idea of that waist model and, you know, the twiggy and all of that. And then it turned out that the fitness was just as bad in the way that they portray their, they portray their women. The media, to me, is a, is a huge problem. And I think until we can find some way for the media to start portraying real women and not brushing like the Cosmo magazines um, when they show you how they brush them and the difference and actually show some people what they look like without a million dollars worth of makeup on their face, you know, a normal, natural um, Hollywood star, what she really truly looks like, or, you know, it's a huge difference. And And that really affects our consciousness and how we perceive ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just a quick second here. If you're you're listening out there and you have a question, call in and ask your question. It's 646-716-9371. We're about 30 minutes into the show, so you can call in and ask your questions. Again, the number is 646-716-9371. you went through all of this. You went through the sexual, abu- sexual abuse, the, the molestation, and you managed to change your mindset. How did you do that? How did you just start to say, you know what, I am worthy, I do deserve certain things, and you, you actually ended up changing your mindset? How did that happen?
1: Um, it was a process. It, just, it, it started slow, and it really started with me um, becoming, it, becoming spiritual. Growing up, um, I, my parents, my my mother was very religious. My, you know, parents were religious and things, and I bucked the system of religion because I was like, I don't want to believe in that. All these things have happened to me, you know. So I stepped away from anything that had anything to do with religion or spirituality or any of that that kind of stuff for many, many, many years because um, it scared me and it made me feel like there was a false. And so finally I started stepping into being a spiritual person. I started thinking about how... um, how I wanted to live my life and what I wanted to believe. And that started opening the doors for me to come into finding out about meditation and finding, you know, and doing and gratitude work and, and working on the subconscious and really changing my beliefs and really working towards thinking differently about things. I also took training, um, which really helped me in working with the mindset and understanding how that worked. So the combination of just the spiritual path that I started with, I really, you know, doing the yoga was one thing that was really helpful, helpful for me. Um, mm-hmm. Starting to, to change my the people that I hung around. If you're always around the negative people and that negative energy, then you feed off of that. So I, I just started upgrading my life little by little and small steps. And I'll tell you, it's, it's still a journey. I still have, you know, I call myself that onion. I took off the big outer shell, and I threw that away. But all the time, I'm still peeling back the layers and the layers, and they just keep coming, and I, be, and I keep becoming um, more, uh, I, I have more understanding, and I, and I practice more. And uh, one of the biggest things is understanding that we all have a common ground and a common humanity, and just mm-hmm. being gracious. And and self-compassion was the big thing, learning to treat myself the way I would treat my best friend and that yeah, was a really huge
0: change for me. It's a process, huh? Oh
1: yes, it's definitely yeah. a process. It does overnight. not happen overnight. It takes many years and it doesn't stop.
0: Yeah, exactly. I tell people that I started this I started this whole nutrition thing in 2005 and it's like I still learn things every day and mm-hmm. it's like those things that I'm learning are uh, they kind of strike down the lies and the other myths that I've been told but it's always a process and i i like you have kind of gone through some things that um has made me a bit more spiritual and made me believe that you know I'm worthy and when you're you're doing when you're entrepreneurial i think that you you go through that thing because you're not battling your you're not battling clients or anyone like that you're actually battling yourself and it's all those Mm -hmm. beliefs and the things that we have that are actually keeping us back and it's us you know changing that subconscious but when you're working with your clients i know that you went through that process what are some of the things that you do with your clients to kind of get them over these these issues that they're having with their bodies and getting them to eat better and also believe that they are worthy
1: well, one of the first things that I really work with clients on, and one of my favorite things to have them do, is what I call. Um, is I make a joke of it, and I say, "Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? You are." And what that is is mirror work, and it's about actually standing in front of a mirror, and looking at yourself in your own eyes, and saying, "I love you." Now, I don't know, Darren, if you've ever tried this, but it's a pretty powerful, powerful um, exercise, and. Almost everybody that I've ever worked with has broken down crying when they try to do this for the first time because then they really look at themselves and they say, oh, wow. do I love myself? So what I have them do is create a mantra around their bodies and their body image and look in the mirror and they have to repeat it to themselves twice a day while looking at themselves in the mirror. So I make them use affirmations and some, some of them are really great. So of them could be something like, today I love my body fully, deeply, and joyfully. Or it could be like, I am growing more beautiful and luminous day by day. Um, my flaws are transformed by love and acceptance. And so I take to have them take these phrases and, and string them together. And that's the mantra. And they would say, you know, they would stand. And I was just like, when I would stand in the mirror, I would say, Melissa, I love you today in all your imperfect, imperfectness. I love you for your power and intuition, you know. And I even love you even when you're grumpy, bitchy, and tired. I love you. And I think you're amazing. And I love your obnoxious voice. You're amazing. And you have a strong, personality and a strong body and that's what you have to start doing and that's one of the things that really starts that transformation once you can get them to start looking in the mirror and I tell them if you don't believe it right away when you're saying it you have to trick your subconscious so if you can't look in the mirror and say I love you today you can say I am becoming more loving every day or I um, am becoming or every day I do this and so you can when when you can trick the subconscious into thinking, okay, I can believe that. I may not believe that I am beautiful, but I am becoming beautiful. I can work mm-hmm. with that. Because that's what you want to do is really start to trick the mind into relaxing, into learning new new things. And then what I make them do is, is I say, take a day, and every time you think a negative thought about yourself or something, write it down. And then I have them come bring those back to me And what we do is we turn those into positive affirmations. We take the opposite of it. I rewrite it for them and we um, turn them into phrases of good things. And then it's every time that they have that bad thought, they immediately have to say the other one. And then eventually the, the brain will start seeking the better ones and start changing the way that, you know, you do that. And that's why how I would start working on with the mindset on the subconscious level. And then while we're doing that, we work on the health and the you know the, the the nutrition side of it or anything else that might be going on um on the out you know on the inside of the body nutrition wise that's making them feel that. so that we can really do both together
0: yeah it's it's all subconscious i don't think a lot of people realize that i did hypnotherapy sessions just trying to change the beliefs that i had around money and success mm-hmm. and all these other things and um the people that I worked with in the past, it always seems that they could never get over those subconscious issues. And I wasn't really uh where I am right now with dealing with the mind. So I didn't know how to work with them. But I always knew mm-hmm. that wherever they went, something would always pull them back. And it was all those, always those subconscious beliefs. And I don't know if you um have checked out any of Louise Hayes' stuff. She has a great Heal uh, oh, yeah. Your Life. Yeah, she has a great, um, and it's a CD. I actually listened to it. I checked it out from the local library and listened to it you know, on my way to work and all this other stuff. So those of you out there who don't like to read, pick up Louise L. Uh, Louise Hayes' He or Your Life. Uh, you can either read it or you can just uh, listen to it on a CD. So, oh, yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She taught me a lot just listening to her and uh, Abraham series, all that stuff. I love that stuff. But um, so you mentioned uh, changing the subconscious beliefs and, and doing that, and then you got into the the eating habits. What are some of the some of the things that you've seen are that are very uh, just unhealthy eating habits?
1: Um, wow, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> where do you start? Huh? <laughs> I was like, where do I start? Yeah, um, I think you know, with especially with people today in the standard american diet there's so many things and the biggest thing is, is these processed foods you know we just need to go back to eating natural whole foods and most people have this quick fast i want whatever i think is easiest fast food you know processed diet and it, it spans the range whether it's the breakfast food a lunch food or dinner and um you know and then people don't take care of themselves enough to make sure that they plan out the time to eat so they're just eating whatever whenever and i really think it comes down to the fact that it's again it's about the media the media has lied to everybody so everybody's so freaking confused that they don't know what to do so they just give up or they think that they're trying to do something right and they don't know i was just at a client's house yesterday and um I don't do a lot of in-person sessions anymore, but she had a special request for me to come go to her kitchen. And, you know, I sat there and I explained to her, and she took everything out and took it back and donated it and all that and stuff because she was willing to make the change. She just had no idea that, um, that these were the wrong things, you know. So that's one of those things that without education, if people don't know, they don't know. And I think that we're in a, we're in a health society where we think things are normal And I'm like, oh, well, everybody should know that. And they just, people don't know um, what is right. And, you know, trying to make them understand that just because the government says the grains are healthy or just because the government says that that crappy dairy crap that comes with all the hormones is healthy or just because the government says that corn is healthy doesn't mean that it's healthy. Your government's not always right. And I think that that's where, you know, this blind faith that we have and our, that everything
0: is right that they say is, is really where the problem comes in. Yeah, it's like people just believe anything. If, if you throw it on TV, it's believable. But I tell people that the stuff that you're seeing on TV, you can best believe that it is not good. If it's on TV, it's not good, so don't believe that. Um, mm-hmm. have, you ever had a, have you ever had a situation where it's you've walked away from a client because they just weren't ready yet or ready to kind of change their beliefs?
1: You know, yes, I have had that happen. Um, I had a client, and you know what, and it was my own fault because I knew, you, I, I'm, I've grown a lot since then because before I would see mm-hmm. somebody and be like, oh, you know, I think that I can change them. Now I know the signs that I'm not going to, that there's somebody that I can't work with. But I had a client that she, she had asked me, she had done the HCG diet in the past, again, all the way back. She had tried several, many different things. And she just wanted a, a plan. I just wanted a diet plan. Just tell me whatever, blah, blah, And I said, I don't want to give you a diet plan. I want to teach you how to eat for the rest of your life. You know, I want to help you to do these things. Um, and she just, it just didn't work because she, you know, she didn't want to learn what healthy was. She just wanted somebody to say, okay, well, I can, you know, go buy a, this and eat this for breakfast and buy, you know, and instead of le- really learning how to eat, and I had to walk away from that and walk away from that client. And I learned now that um, I really, I don't, you know, I make sure that I really pay attention to who I work with. And although with my new program, I have one program where I work with nutrition, which is my 28-day program, but all my other programs don't have um, have nutrition in them. We don't talk about that. We're talking about the mindset and things, unless somebody, you know, has uh, asked me about that. But, um, I mean, I, ha- I always have that in my repertoire and in my background, but when I actually do my speaking and, um, and travel and things now, what what I've been being hired to speak about is the, the self-love and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've walked away from a client and totally, um, you know, now what it feels like but it helped me to grow as a coach and as a person to be able to now say no to people if I know that they're not the right
0: fit. Yeah. So you mentioned, I, I scrolled through your website a little bit, and you mentioned that, uh, and you just said that term again, self-love. And on your website, you mentioned self-love to self-love. How do you go about uh, changing your clients um, to, to realize that self-love?
1: Well, my self-love to self-love journey, which is actually the 21 21 steps that I um, have come to that is like a journey into taking that self-love and turning it into self-love. And I'm actually writing a book about it. And um, a few of those steps, like what I talked about before, is one of them is the mirror work. Uh, Self-care is something that's really huge on that. We, taking care of our bodies is something that I think that we have gotten away from, and it's so important. And it can be just 15 minutes a day of really doing things that you need to do for your body and for your mind to really help you to to love yourself more. Um, gratitude is a really, really, really big part of that. Um, gratitude is like a big emotion for expressing ap- appreciation that we have. And so I actually help my clients to learn how to, not just have an attitude of gratitude, but to actually put gratitude into practice. So when you start being grateful for the things around you in your life, it automatically feeds back into your own energy and makes you feel better. Um, and then we do, we do a lot of self-compassion, journaling and, and exercise and critique. I actually have a scientific, um, a scientific questionnaire that I use with my clients that helps us to dig deep into... And self-compassion and into the kindness and how they work with themselves and it also helps us to, to work on changing the beliefs and I use that in my program to get, mm-hmm. get deep with the clients and find out how because everybody's negative thoughts can be different our body image not only encompasses just our bodies but how we interact with other people and social situations and um, and all sorts of different things so what one person's issue may be when it comes to body image and self-love, somebody else's may be completely different. So finding that out really helps. because It could be somebody, it could be their appearance. Somebody else, it could be the way that they feel about how they are in their career. Somebody else, it could be their relationship or how they are as a parent. You know, so those, these things are what we can feel self-critical about are really important to, to get into changing those things. So I actually have a 21-day a 21-day program that I ran back in December that um, went through all of these different actions, these steps on how to take your, yourself to the next level to self-love. And I'm actually going to be coming out with that in the book form too. But those are some of the small things that are a part of that journey into understanding, um, you know, changing that belief structure, finding out what is your body story. And then what is the legacy that you want to leave for the next generation because that's really mm-hmm. important that we have to understand that we have to, we need to leave that legacy. And by doing, by doing, having self-love for ourselves, we're able to pass that on.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask, put you on the spot. Am I going to get a copy of your book when you finish it?
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. I'll yes, hold you to it, that.
1: I will, I will give you, I'll get, I'll put you on the spot. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a spot if you help me promote it and pre-sell it for me.
0: I will. This, this, awesome, yeah. Give, me, give me a holler. Just, give me a holler, and I would do awesome. that for you. Um, now, you mentioned gratitude. Give me an example of how a person who has body image issues would use gratitude.
1: Okay. Well, um, some of the things that I have them do with my clients is, is, first off, is start with writing a thank you letter. It's one of my favorite things to do. So you would write a thank you letter to somebody in your life that made you feel good about yourself. You know, somebody that was maybe in your past, like when um, my person that I wrote a gratitude, a thank you letter to was after I was raised when I was 17. Um, before, before I had gone to court, before any of these things, I didn't want to. I didn't want to turn. I didn't want to go to the cops or anything. The only person I told was my coach, my basketball coach, and he stood up for me. And he was like a father to me. And he was the best person that ever happened to me. And it still gets me choked up to this day. You know, 20 some years later, he um, he made all the difference in my life, and so I wrote him a thank you letter, and it, it it made me feel better about myself, and it touched him so much. So writing a thank you letter to somebody in your life that made you that made you feel good about yourself, and that believed in you, and that loved you, is going to be so empowering. Empowering. Another thing is is um, I love to have my clients make what I call a happiness list. What are things in your life that make you happy? If you focus on the things that make you happy, you just you're you're going to start forgetting about the things that make you feel like crap. So you're going to not start you're not going to think about the things in your body that you don't like. Um, so you can do a happiness list. And then the other thing is, is focus on. I tell them fine. So you have all these things about your body that you don't like, or these things that you don't. I want you to pick five things. I make them write it down. Write down the five things about yourself that you do like. So it could be that you have cute feet or that you love your nose, or, you know, um, it could be that you have a big heart. So you write down these five things, and then every day I make them focus on the five things that they're grateful for that they actually love. And that's important. If you can be grateful for the things about your body that you love, then that helps you to change that attitude and change your mind.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had them focus on some things that uh, I know I'm big on this? Like sometimes I was like uh things will happen to me and I'm like, man, why did this happen? And then I will reframe it like something that maybe something that maybe, for instance, I know a long time ago I got laid off from my job and I was like, oh, man, I got laid off from my job. And then. Another uh, a job came along that was better, but I reframe that in my mind and say, "Okay, well, this means there's something. it opens the door for something else. Have you ever give, gotten them to give gratitude for just things that happen to them in life, whether good or bad?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's very important, and that's actually what I do with the, what um I have what's called a gratitude jar, and i tell I tell people that every day, like on a little flip of paper. If yes, yeah, if, you're, if you're by yourself or yourself, or if you have a family, everybody takes a piece of paper and they write something on it that they're grateful for, and that makes a huge difference. Especially, i they say some of the, the some of the best doors that never opened are your be- biggest blessings. You thought you wanted that thing so bad that you never you didn't realize until after you didn't get it that it was the best thing that ever happened that you didn't get it.
0: Oh yeah, and that's had that. yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, um, so I think that's very important, and I and I make sure that clients
0: recognize and, the you know, people that I work with understand that's just an important part of the journey. Yeah, did we lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. The sound just broke up a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. so,
0: yeah, I, I've always kind of celebrated those bad things that's happening too because usually something good comes out of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, is the body love method, is that, all of your programs, or is that just a method that you use to work with women? And, by the way, do you even work with any men? Have you worked with men before? Oh, yeah,
1: I, I absolutely. My, I I, sp- I speak mainly of women because usually women are the one with the, with more of the issues, but uh-huh. I definitely have had some male clients, and actually my longest standing running client is a male. He's been with me for over a year. So, um, yes, it definitely works well, both uh, both female and male. And I have several um, different programs that I do, but the Body Love Method is something that I actually developed myself. Um, and what I'm doing with this program is it's, it's going to be really pretty amazing because I'm getting it the, the, the trademark and everything's being worked on right now because it's, it's Pure Body Love. And I, it's going to be a certification program that I'm going to be teaching to um, health coaches, life coaches, and other healers um, around the world, that's going to be able, they can get certified in this program, so that they can help their clients through this same this same process. So this is a method that I've developed that I'm now working with um, them to with with the people that I know to make this into a certification, so that I can really help people to to get into this on a on a very um, on, a, on a large scale level, because it's something that I think is so important that we need to have, and um, that we need to really spread, because that way it's going to spread all over and be able to help children and be able to help
0: everybody yeah now do you knew you mentioned at the beginning of the show like hormones and adrenal fatigue how Mm -hmm. do you how do you uh deal with these things in your clients is there some type of testing that you do do you Mm -hmm. teach them how to heal these things by natural means by eating better food how is that how does that happen
1: sure i studied hormone therapy with dr shara godfrey and she does all holistic she believes in um, finding the root cause of the um, the problem and healing that. So, yes, I definitely, everything that I do with the hormone therapy, the testing that I do is all, um, the tests that I give them are questionnaires. And then if I find that the questionnaires, I usually when I start with somebody on uh, hormone therapy. I won't send them to the doctor right away because you you don't need a doctor to know that something's out of whack, you know, and why spend all those hundreds of dollars when you're just going to come back and it's going to tell you stuff that I probably already know anyways. So I give them a a test that was developed by Dr. And through that, I I give them targeted therapy. So we use vitamins and herbs and uh, food therapy and lifestyle therapy. So lifestyle can be, Things as, say you have adrenal fatigue and you have really low cortisol. So adrenal fatigue can be either low cortisol or low and high cortisol. So if you have adrenal fatigue and you have low cortisol, what we would do is lifestyle therapy. First off, we get them into some sort of movement on a regular basis, like they suggest like African dance or something like that, because it gets your body moving. And then we do the targeted therapy with the, with the um, the right types of herbs and vitamins, and we do it for three months and we jolt their body with a, 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 an extra amount of what they need. So if you were normally taking, you know, um, say, well, this amount of vitamin C, because I don't re- recommend taking a bunch of supplements and crap all the time, but for this type, type of therapy, we change the food and we change the, the vitamins and we add in the herbs and things like that. So it can be anything from maca powder to ashwagandha and astralic, astralic, um, astral, 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 oh, I hate to say that works. Um, All sorts of different things (laughs) that we use, Um, phospholidylserine I use a lot. So whatever it is, depending on each person, we get them on that targeted therapy. We work on changing their lifestyle choices. We work on changing the food. And then I work on the energy. I had a client that had Hashimoto's thyroiditis when she came to me. Uh And six months later, she went back to her doctor. And her doctor said, I've never seen this before. You no longer have this. And it's because we went to the root cause and healed it. So it wasn't just the nutrition that we had to heal and just the therapy. Um, she also had an energy issue because your thyroid is where your, your vocal box is. And she actually had a blocked block issue with being able to talk to her son. And so because of her fear of talking to her son, she was blocking her own uh, and causing her own thyroid issues. And I've had several clients that have something with thyroid issues that it turns out that the issue is actually a communication problem. And once they were able to speak their truth and start speaking again, along with some targeted um, therapy, everything went away. And the doctor was like, I don't understand. I don't get this. And I'm like, it really works. It really does.
0: Yeah, have you? um, Do you know Dr. Lynn Lafferty? No. uh -uh. I need to introduce you to her because I'm going to actually have her on the show talking about what you just talked about. She's going to come on and talk about the consciousness of disease, but you need to meet her. Uh, oh,
1: I would um, love to. That's so
0: fantastic. Yeah. Is she local? Yeah, she's actually in, Um, she's at Nova, and oh, the audience probably great. doesn't notice, but she's at Nova, but I met her several years ago, and uh, she's in holistic type therapies as well, but she is an actual doctor, a PharmD, and um, she's into much of what you just spoke about, so you you, you probably need to meet her. <laughs> so,
1: oh, awesome. I'm always yeah. looking to connect with good
0: yeah. people, you know. Yeah, I got... <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got one last question for you, and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. What if I had, give us three tips to kind of break this down to start really loving our bodies. What are the, the best three tips you can give the audience out there for just, just breaking, breaking this down and loving their body and changing that mindset um, uh, forever?
1: Okay, so my top three tips are, number one, definitely start working um, with looking at yourself in the mirror and using affirmations around how you feel about your body. Um, You know, you really need to start changing that mindset, that critical negative self-talk that's in your head and take those words that you think and turn them into positive and change the thought into something positive the only way that you're going to get your body to, to, to your brain to make a difference is, is when you, to, to bring those subconscious thoughts into your consciousness. That's my first, um, definitely the mirror work is one of the biggest things. The second thing is, is to start breaking down your belief structure. So find out what was, the, what was the body story that you grew up with that shows up in your life and then find out what could have been the positive intention behind that. If you can figure out why somebody, why you felt the way that you did, and figure out maybe if there was a positive intention behind that, that's going to really create value. And I do a lot. I, um, I suggest doing a lot of journaling around that, um, doing releasing letters, and journaling is a real good way to to release things and let things go from the past. Of stepping into that past and really understanding that. And then the third thing, the third biggest tip that I have is. To be compassionate with yourself, the true key to healing our obsessions and body image is really to learn to love ourselves. But you have to create emotional healing, so you have to be kind to yourself, even in in, in times when you feel like you should not be nice to yourself. When you feel like there's, um, when you feel like you're, you know, you may say sure things like, "Oh, I I can't believe I did that. I'm busy. I'm forgetful." You know, speak, speak to yourself the way that you would speak to a best friend. So if you do something silly or if you drop something, uh, would you chastise your child or your best friend or your partner or anybody else for doing those things? No. So then why do you compassion is really, really important. So you have to check in with yourself and think, um, you know, am I criticizing myself? Why am I criticizing myself? And then be compassionate and, and stop doing that. And instead, just start to recognize when you're doing it and really um, take, the, take the moment to step back and treat yourself the way you would treat somebody else.
0: Yeah, I always say that people, we don't need critics. We criticize ourselves enough. <laughs> so, yes,
1: yes, it. definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah, so great tips. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before I uh, let you go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I have a wonderful free guide that you guys can all get that's, and um, talks about five of my steps to the pure body love that really helps you. It has some things that you can journal. It talks about some, some ways to really start doing this. And you can get it. It's really easy. You just text the word body love, all one word, to nine six zero zero zero, And when you do that, it's going to send you a link, and it will send you um, so you can register, and it will send you the five steps to... Boosting your body image and some pure body love. And again, that's body love, all one word, one word. to nine six zero zero zero.
0: Yeah. What's your website, Melissa?
1: Oh, my website is bodylovemethod.com.
0: Cool, cool. So thank you so much for being on the show. And when you when you're you finish your book, I'm going to have you back on if I get a copy of your book.
1: Okay. So. <laughs> sounds, sounds great. Will do.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you so much for
1: having me on. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So next week we have, again, Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. Tom O'Brien is a gluten expert. If you've been thinking about going gluten-free, it's your time to call in and ask him a question. I'm going to ask him a ton of questions, but I know that the audience is out there uh, that, you know, you probably want to ask questions. And just a, a Small statistics just off the top of my head. Seven out of ten people are sensitive to gluten, and they don't even know it. So um, you probably are sensitive to gluten, and you have no idea that you are, but you want to be on this call to kind of find out what ways you can test for it. I never had a test. I just knew that something was wrong. Anytime I ate bread or cookies or anything of that nature, I just got sleepy, and I knew that the symptoms was there. the symptoms were there. So for those of you out there who are wondering if you might be gluten-sensitive, you want to tune into the show. The week after that, I'm going to have a gentleman named Amir Rosik on. He's going to be talking about uh, uh, sleep. So that's the next week. And then hopefully after that, I'll be scheduling Victoria Taylor, which we uh, – my Internet was down, and I had to cancel that show. And she's from The com, and she'll be talking about the kitchen and organic stuff. So I want to reschedule with her, just waiting for her to um, – to get back with me so we can reschedule that. And then the last week of February probably will be Dr. Lynn Lafferty, and we'll be talking about the consciousness of disease. You heard me mention that on the show. So those are the upcoming guests on the show, and then i got many, many more coming uh for the month of March. So stay, uh, stay tuned to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, and thank you for listening. And also remember that all these shows are in iTunes. If you missed the show or missed part of the show or there's something that you missed that Melissa might have said tonight, do please go in and download the shows and also leave me a review on iTunes because it's helped me. So, again, thank you for listening to tonight's episode, and I'll see you at the same fat time, same fat channel next week.